I ain't gonna hold you, Mio and Mijas. The NBA preseason is kind of lit. And I was watching it, and uh, my team is back. Um, Brooklyn Nets, they looking good, man. Um, as you know, Brooklyn Nets is my squad. Katie and Kyrie, they took off for over a year. Them boys is back, man. They gonna trash the Knicks. <laughs> Not that I'm a Knicks hater, but uh, I used to work at MSG when I was like 16, 16 or 18. Used to watch all the games for free, everything. Yep. But um, also, um, I saw little glimpses of Mello. I'm watching that cat, man. Uh, I mess with MJ Heavy, but I know that. The Nets going to tear them boys up, too. But um, I wanted to see what Melo was going to do. He had a couple of dimes. And um, kind of like he was treating him like the rookie. He was kind of getting frozen out on a couple of things. But he did hit a tray from the corner. So I was like, yeah, he got off a little something. First train in the NBA game. He wasn't scared. He looked confident. But we all know what's going to happen in that East, though. You know? KD looking like the regular KD. Yo, he was quick. His bounce was crazy. And you know, Kyrie, Uncle Drew, he, he does what he does. He was just breaking cats right and left. And what would have been scary, they say it's going to get hard in two. Yo, that would have been too, that would have been too much. Plus with uh, DJ in the middle. Like you already got Kyrie on the point. KD on the wing. And, you know, DJ in the middle, and you add hard into that mix, they would be alternating between point and shooting guard. That would have had Westbrook sick. <laughs> you know, Westbrook wanted to get that squad back together in OKC. But um, <clears throat> guess he probably wouldn't have got those MVPs if they was all there. But maybe he didn't really care about the MVPs. Um. That would have been that would have had Westbrook sick, and it's crazy they played Washington. You know Westbrook played for Washington now. Yo, he would have been mad as hell if they had played that, that first preseason game they had Arden. Yo, that would have been stupid. And um, I don't know, man. I guess some people really don't care about the NBA, and. Um, Guess, I guess most people don't even watch it really, especially since they in the bubble. But when the crowds come back, yo, it's gonna be even crazier. It's like they have like a whole season of like training camp, really. You know, and I know LA think they're gonna get the championship this year because they got it in the bubble last year. Well, this year, really. But next year, we all know who's gonna get that chip. You know, it's a couple big boys out in the West, Golden State, Lakers. But um, that's a small thing to a giant, you know? Uh, I just remember when I used to be a little kid, I used to always love basketball. You know, always make sure we come to the court, had the illest kicks on, make sure our fit was right. You know, it was, it was different back then. 
Like now you go to you go to hoop now, you like you hooping regular stuff. Or back then you had to make sure you was real meticulous about the fit. You know, you had the armband on, you had maybe you had some J's on, had some ill shorts on, maybe like a jersey or something. It was real like obsessive, compulsive from everything from like the head to feet, you know what I'm saying? The cut had to be right. Like I said, the fit had to be right. Obsessively cleaning my sneakers all the time with toothbrushes. I made sure the kicks look crazy. And then you had another pair of kicks that you hooped in. Change those kicks and wear your hooping kicks. Probably come with like 10 different fragrances all over. It was crazy, man. But I guess at some point when you get older, maybe that's a young thing. At some point, um, all that kind of dies down. Or you either get like obsessive compulsive about other things. Or maybe, you know, that habit just gets broken and you just don't give a, you don't give a fuck anymore, you know? And, um, I guess one thing I do that's kind of obsessive compulsive is like if I'm cleaning up, I make sure the same thing is in its proper spot. And other people have other things. Maybe it's somebody that just washes their hands every five minutes or every 10 minutes or they always sanitizing their hands or one thing another thing that I do that's obsessive compulsive is um I might like rinse a glass out of something and then I dry it out and then I might rinse it out again <laughs> like I know I just rinsed this glass out in my head I'm like why am I rinsing this glass out again you know that's like way too obsessive compulsive right there or some people just get to the point where they just like, I don't give a fuck. I just walk out, wear anything I want, um, have my hair any kind of way. You know, just make sure they function, though. You know, they come out and just make sure they everything, anything they have, they can function in it. They not, they not like um, walking around ass naked or anything. But um, you can tell they really didn't put a lot of time in their appearance. And, you know, some maybe that's some people's thing though. You know, they call that, you know, like zero fucks given, you know. Um, speaking of zero fucks given, um, that was a crazy segue. Um, I watch uh, Kevin Hart's new special. And now, before I say this, you know, before I even start, I watched it as a fan first, as you know. So, you know, I wanted to rate this because um, I hear a lot of people going in on it and um, had to watch it first. So I watched it as a fan first and I ain't go front. I watched maybe like a little bit of it and then I turned it off. Then I went back and watched the whole thing, the rest of it. And um, I said, let me just go back and watch it one more time. And um, I'll rate it on the new system, the G system. So, um. I watched it second time all the way through, no stops, just so I can get the full effect. And um, first off, was it media friendly? Was it shot well? Of course it was shot well. It's Kevin Hart. You know, he didn't have like the regular pyrotechnics of fire all over the place or the crazy music, but it was shot like a intimate setting. 
um, like a comedy club. Um, he said it was in his house. It could have been a studio. It could have been his house. Who knows? Um, but it was an intimate setting. It was like a um, comedy club setting. Maybe like um, about 30 to 50 people, like a house party setting. But they had they were like sitting in tables and chairs. Which um, I understand why they had like tables and chairs like that because um, he wanted to get that setting. Plus, it was a the way he closed his show. They needed the tables and they needed the chairs there, and it was distance perfect to like six feet apart or whatever. So um, I kind of understood why he did that as I, after I watched the whole thing. Like I said, the cuts was good, the sound quality was good. Um, just as an editor, you know, I, I noticed different things that the average person didn't notice, but I'm not going to even go there because that's critiquing it too much. I'm not crazy like that. But um, everything was shot well. It, shot, it was shot good. It looked good. It sounded good. Quality. Um, so I gave that a capital G. No need to go any further with that, you know. Um, was it interesting? You know, the first watch as a fan, I thought, oh, because I was expecting, um, you know, pyrotechnic, big stage camera hard to come out. But um, like I said uh, before, um, it wasn't any of that. And uh, I noticed why, because this was more like a conversation piece. Um, and uh, it was more like he was speaking to you. Like It was more like a conversation. He was having an intimate conversation with 30 or 50 of us. You know, closest fans, and um, in the immortal words of the great philosopher of the 21st century, um, we all know him as Dave Chappelle. He was speaking to another philosopher, Will Smith. Um, you know, two great philosophers of our time. Um, he said, uh, "Dave, I don't think I could quote him verbatim, but." He was talking to the other philosopher, Will, and he said um, he was talking to a comedian. He's like, um, some of the best advice that that comedian had gave him was like, he went up to him and said, you one of these guys that think you got to be funny all the time. He was like, that's not the key. It's like, you don't have to be funny all the time. You just have to be interesting all the time. And it kind of hit home, too, to me. And that was very profound. And when you look at Kevin Hart's special, the No F Zero Fucks Given special, every joke is not like a joke that he's trying to hit you with. He's not trying to like kill you with every joke. But he is trying to keep your interest, and he did that. You know, um, he had a lot of stuff that um, he was just talking about his life and he's talking about other things in general. I won't give you any spoilers because I kind of want you to go and watch it. If you haven't watched it yet. And then he would hit you out of nowhere with like a like a, a funny joke, like just out of nowhere. And uh it would just creep up. It wouldn't be like he would just set the premise first and then talk about it. He would be talking about something and then he'd just say something and it'd be funny and then you'll laugh. He'd be like, Oh, that's funny, that's crazy, that's funny. It'd be like, um, like say for instance, you watching like a Obama interview. And you know, like, when they interview Obama, he always comes out with something like, wow, that's crazy. I can't believe that came out of his mouth. Like, they'll be like, oh, yeah, Mr. President, um, um, you know, politics is a crazy game. One 
meant they love you the next day, don't. And they'll both laugh and he'll be like, yeah, well, um, look, it's like this. It's like uh, uh, that song by uh, Hell Rail, The Streets Don't Love Me. And you'd be like, <laughs> what the? <laughs> you'd be like, Obama listen to Hell Rail? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That's funny. And you'd be like, yo, this is wild. So that's how he, a couple of those jokes, he kind of hits you out of nowhere with. And it's like, um, one in particular I'll talk about later. But like he did that a couple of times. So uh, with the interest thing, uh, the interest category, he definitely gets a capital G for that. Okay, moving on. What's it relatable? Um, I don't. He talked a lot about his kids, so I'm not gonna say it wasn't relatable because I don't have any kids right now. But um, I was once somebody's child, so I can't relate to what he was talking about. No. A lot of the subjects he was talking about, I couldn't relate to. And um, I don't want to give him like a no G for this. But like uh, a lot of the stuff he was relate, he was talking about um, like public school. I relate to that because I went to public school. He was talking about how um, he, bring, he, he was trying to bring a new experience to a new crowd. Like he experienced something and he was like he wanted the people that he hang around to experience it and feel it the way he felt it. And I kind of relate to that too. Cause sometimes I do that. Like I'll experience something and I'll try to bring it to like a different crowd. Cause I want them to feel the way I feel, but sometimes it really don't translate. Like I think it's going to translate cause they don't really feel it. Like I feel it. And that's just, that just goes to show that people just have different interests. People just think about things different. So um, I kind of related to him on that, but like maybe like 50% of it, like other fifty percent, I I, I could see where he was coming from, and I wish I can give him like a three quarter, but you can only get like a capital G or a small G, so um, I'm gonna give him a small G for relatability, um, just off the strength of some of the subjects I just wasn't relating to, and uh, it was a little bit out of my range, um, not as far as like thinking, but um, it's as far as like my daily life, um. Things that I like go through. Um, I wasn't really like relating to what he was talking about. Um, but uh, a few things I do relate to. Like I could see like some things like he was talking about. He was talking to his nephew like. And then he was trying to get information out of his nephew. <laughs> and it was like you gonna, you know. You got to watch it. But he was like, they was trying to like, they was being real reluctant about giving them the information. He did like a Jedi mind trick to get the information out of him. And then what he, the information that he got out of him, got out of him kind of surprised him to say, the way I told you, like how Obama surprised you in the interview. Um, it kind of surprised him like that. And then his, and his son as well. So his son surprised him too. And uh, ended on the, relate, the relatable side. I can relate to something that his son did because I would want to probably do something like his son was doing. Like he was like mentioning his son all throughout his um all throughout his uh his routine. And when you bring him up, I'd be like, that's some shit I would do too. <laughs> so I can relate to him in that sense. So, um what's irrelevant? Um 
He talked about a lot of stuff that was relevant to his life, a lot of stuff that was going on in his life. He talked about the accident. He talked about um, things he was going through in his relationship. He talked about his kids. He talked about the, the cancel culture. He hit that maybe like three good three good jabs. I was like, yo, he, he hit that. That was like on the money. So it was relevant. That was a capital G. He was definitely saying a lot of stuff that was relevant. Um, he was talking about the whole snitch culture. <laughs> oh, you know, the police, they don't even got to do work now. <laughs> so that was hilarious. He was like hitting on that too. He, he had a nice little bit about that, about um how he just wanted to do something regular. And then like, oh, he just got, you know, attacked. So you got to watch it. It's hilarious. That's one of the good ones. He had a couple good ones in there. Um, so I give him a capital G for uh, relevance. Um, was it original? You know, it's Kevin Hart. Um, he hit a couple things that I've, you know, a couple subjects that I heard before, but it was done his way. It was done, it was done the Kevin Hart way, you know. Listen here, here's the thing. Like, you know, that, those things. So it was like, um, it was definitely original, um. Anything that he talked about was something that, you know, it was definitely coming from him that he experienced. It was his original thoughts and anything that was just like a general thought, like the cancel culture or whatever, or um, anything else that he was talking about, like the public schools and all that. He did it his way. So it was definitely he, he did it in in an original way. So um, he definitely gets a capital G for that. Um Lastly, did he rip it? Now, I'm a big comedy fan. Like, my my top five will tell you that. Um, I've, seen, I've seen a lot of good sketch specials. So I'm talking Dave Chappelle. I'm talking Eddie Murphy. I'm talking Chris Rock. I'm talking uh, Chris Tucker. I love Chris Tucker. I'm talking Martin. You know, people like that. And, um, you know, you're dealing with, like, the, the goats here. So whenever I see um, the comedy specials, I kind of compare it to that. Like, did you rip like that? You know? And, um, oh, Corey Holcomb, another one, he, he rips too. Um, can't forget him. Can't forget Cat Williams. You know, said the entertainer. Like, when they come, they come crazy. Um and like I said, it wasn't that environment. It was more like a conversation piece. It was so um, he wasn't trying to make you laugh, like uh, bring the pain or killing them softly or like a raw, you know. He wasn't like trying to like have you in stitches like that. But um, he can't do that. Like if you've seen him on like the comedy, the, the Shaq comedy special, like that was like my favorite routine he ever did about the eating the ass. And he had everybody going crazy. <laughs> like, he he didn't have none of them routines. So, you know, he is capable of doing that. So, um, he didn't rip like that. But um, he definitely uh, did his thing. Um, he kept you entertained, kept you interested. So, we're ripping it. I'm not going to be mean and say he don't get a G at all. I'm going to give him a lowercase G for that. Because, like I said, he was mainly, this was mainly like a, like a talk. Like, you talking to your friends, you throw a couple jokes in there, and you just trying to, like, tell them what's on your mind. 
So he gets a lowercase g for that. And that's no stab. But I'm just trying to compare it to the, the things he's done already. Then when he does really rip it, he does really go crazy. Like with the animations and all that. And um, he does like just have you crying. Like I say, like the goats. Like the like the Daves. Like the like the Eddies. Like the Chris like Chris Rock and like Martin and them. They, they go crazy. They go hard. And the Kings, they all, you know, the Kings of Comedy, they always go hard. And, um, said so I give some, you know, five G's out of six, which is, you no, know, it's not chopped liver. It's still hard to get five G's out of six as you, you know, I've rated some stuff. The first thing I rated was the album, you know, the Buses album. And, um, I'm rating Kevin Hart special. This is top notch stuff. So, not everybody, and don't think I'm going easy on these guys. Not everybody gonna get that five or that six, you know. So he really did his thing. That's like that's like getting like a eighty something or like a ninety something, you know, eighty something on the on a test or something. So, you know, he went crazy, did his thing, like I said, and um, you know, I like I talked about Dave before, you know, um, Dave recently um gave a wouldn't say a special out for free but it was more like a conversation piece in which he uh, talked about all the stuff he was going through because you know Dave's one of those guys where um, um, he could show up at a spot and just talk and then it'll be you know it'll be crazy like um and it doesn't he doesn't have to be ripping it all the time but he does throw a couple jokes in there to let people know what's on his mind when he's not doing like one of his like um fully produced uh, specials and this special was called Unforgiven and he is mainly talking about um, you know stuff he went through in his career stuff he's going through in his career currently and um, he's talking about uh, when he was first coming up back in comedy and um, he said something really crazy um, that really stuck with me he was like um he was coming up and um, he was like um, writing jokes and somebody would come up to him and be like, yo, could I use that? And he was like, when he was first starting, he was like, oh, I don't care. Yo, you can go ahead and use it. I don't care. That's you. He's like, I'm probably not going to do it. I'm just working. I'm just working out right now. And then when he started, you know, getting, making his bones in comedy, he was like, I, I got to start putting these jokes together. It's like I got to start putting a special together. And then as he was um, putting his special together to do his first one. Somebody was like, oh, that's a, you know, the usual, oh, that's a nice joke. Can I use that? He was like, nah, man, I need all the material I can get now because I'm really trying to, like, go hard now, trying to put my special material together. So when I come up with my special, you know, it'd be fully crafted and, you know, fully tuned, well-tuned. And he's like, the dude looked at him. He was like, or I can't just take it. He looked at dude like, damn. He kind of scared him. He was like that was the first time he really was like um, confronted or um, I guess exposed to like the dark side of the industry where, you know, some people he thought it was more like a brotherhood. Like you come in thinking everybody's supposed to be nice at dapping everybody up. Same with music. Come in thinking everybody's nice. Everybody's cool. You know, you might throw somebody a beat here. You might write something for somebody. That's you. You know, that's you. You know, I'm just trying to get on. And then when you start trying to put your resume together, you might meet a couple characters that'd be like, yo, I'm not going to 
you're not going to get paid or I'm just going to use a song, talk to my lawyer. You know, you kind of want to take it to the streets. You're like, yo, what's going on? I thought it was cool out here. Like, everybody's not that talented like you think they are. You know, same with any industry. Some people are just, you know, getting it, getting stuff from people and just, like, using it. And then, like, you know, going crazy out here. So he was like, that was the first time he got um, confronted like that. He was like, he was scared. It frightened him. They kind of jaded him a little bit. And then I'm like, um, I wonder if, like, different kids are going through that right now. And um, I've never really had that problem, even though I came up in music, DJing, producing, writing stuff. Um, I always got paid for my work. And if somebody tried to jerk me, um, they definitely got confronted and I definitely got my money or they just didn't use it. Um some kids probably don't have that option. Like, Dave didn't have that option. He didn't have people looking out for him. Or he wasn't cut from a certain cloth where you're not just going to take something from me. You know, you're going to either pay for it or you just don't even think about it. And um, that's, never, that's never happened to me. You know, I either got more work or I either got paid for it. Or I either got, like, a credit or something. I got something from it. And, um... Anybody coming up, you know, a G's and D's, you know, if you always have somebody in your corner that can protect you if you can't protect yourself. And I'm not saying if you're coming out of the store and somebody say, give me your money and they got a gun on you, you know, give them the money. It's not worth the money at the time. But if you know who it is, you know, <laughs> go back and get your money. You know what I'm saying? Don't just get robbed like that because they'll just think that you just a pushover and that they could just rob you anytime they want to. And, you know, and that can traumatize a kid, you know, can grow up being some type of person, like a scary person, not wanting to be around people and not wanting to come outside, you know. And I don't think the intention of people when they do stuff like that to younger kids, I don't think the intention is to make sure that they're traumatized and not want to come outside or make them feel like they need to be um, intimidated. But I think uh, the, the intention is they, they're just trying to make do with it by any means necessary. And that should be your mentality, too. You know, always, you know, if you can't get something, you know, I mean, go out and get yours. You got to take it. But, you know, once you when you're confronted with somebody that's, you know, trying to take yours, make sure you protect yourself and make sure you have people in your corner to protect you and make sure anybody in your team has your best interest. Make sure their interest is your interest. Meaning, if they don't feel like if you're losing something, they're losing something, you shouldn't have that person on their team, on your team. Like if they think that's you, we'll get them the next time, make a mental note of that, you know. Either replace them or get somebody to help them, you know, get that mentality. If they do other things correctly, like take them off that job and let them do something else. And make sure you have somebody that's there protecting you. Because there's always going to be somebody older. There's always going to be somebody that needs some, something from you. You know, you think you're, what you're giving away now is nothing right now because it comes so easy to you. Like say, for instance, you make music or you write songs or something or you write jokes. And it's, it just came so easy to Dave because he's a naturally funny dude. He thought he was like, oh, it's a brotherhood. I'm doing something from one of my brothers. But... 
they was just jerking him at the beginning, you know, stealing his stuff. He could have been coming out with all the stuff that he was giving people. But, um, you know, he learned, you know, he learned the hard way. Now he knows. And you could really feel it in that conversation piece, unforgiving that he gave out. Like, you could really feel what he was saying. Like I said, he threw a couple of jokes in there, but I mainly watched it because I knew he was speaking from the heart. Same way Cab did. But he had a little bit more jokes in his. But um, those conversation pieces really hit home. So I'm not going to even rate it. You know, it was like, it was there. It hit home. And um, you already know my views on like um, people that steal stuff from you. You know, um, I mean, there's a couple things like um, you might think somebody stole it from you. Or, um, or you might think you came up with it first. Or um, you can obviously tell when someone's stolen something from you. Especially when they say it from, when they say it verbatim, like word for word. And you know exactly how you deliver it. And you know, or you know exactly how you wrote it or the inflections or your flow. You know, um, my views on that is, man. Get yours, man. Confront them. Don't be a pushover. Don't um, say you can have that out the gate. You think you're doing something good, but you're not. You're only setting yourself up to be exposed and to be stolen from in the future. You know, so um, always stay on your grind. Um, if somebody wants something from you, make sure they pay for it or make sure they pay for it and work or even exchange. You know, do something. That, that's my views on that. And I'm sticking to it. You know, never let anybody take advantage of you. Because you don't want to be anybody's punching bag. And, and on the flip side, you want to treat people well, too. You know, don't just always be out there taking, taking, taking. If you think you need something, you need to take it and you need to use it and make it yours. Always go back to wherever you, the source where you're taking from. And, you know, at least give something in that realm, too. You know, like if somebody like you um, you use for a certain job or something, you know, give them another job or, you know, at least pay them back in some way, shape or form to let them know that they were appreciated. Because if you become known as that dude that's out there stealing stuff, nobody's going to want you around. And if you become known as that dude that it's easy to steal from, you're just going to be like a punching bag for everybody. So, you know, on both ends of the spectrum, you know, don't be a dude that's, like I said, or, or a G or a D that's always taking. You know, take some, give some, take some, give some. You know, it's even exchange. It should always be like that with anything in life. With any relationship that you have with anybody, it should never be all take or all give. It should be even. And, um... I think that's how you can maintain some balance. And I'm not saying it's impossible for two people to have, you know, um, the same idea. I call that the uh, the creative universe. Like there might be an idea floating around in their creative universe. And um, sometimes it just hits you. And um, you just want to go with it. You want to expand on it. And then... You might be watching something and you before you even do your thing, you know, before you even like uh 
post your thing or put it out in the universe as what you think of it. Um, you might hear somebody else say it or you might see somebody else do it or you might see somebody else um, use the idea if you Google it or something like that. And then um, always do it your way. Don't be scared to like come out with it. And if it's like too similar, just don't do it unless you get their permission. You know what I'm saying? Because you don't want to be that dude that's exposed for um, being a thief, you know. Because then that'll take some of your credibility away. And people are not going to want you around. They're going to be like, oh, that's the dude that's always biting stuff. So, um, always, you know, be uh, careful when you're dealing with the creator universe. Um, and, um. It's just a like-minded thing, I think. Especially if you're in the same industry with somebody. Um, if you're both like uh, writers. and you're, Or you're both like comics or comedians. It's a good chance that when you see something and you think like, oh, I could make a joke out of that, a bit out of that. You probably think the same. You probably just had the same thought. And you just probably just did it different. And, um. You know, always look for that, you know, always give somebody the benefit of the doubt, too. Maybe they saw the joke the way I saw it or um, or even, you know, if you do something and you already put it out and you're watching something that came out maybe like three or four years ago and they did the same, said the same thing, but they said it different. You know, don't take yourself down. You know, you just had the same idea, you know, Um it's not your fault that you all you all think alike. And um it's like with anything. Like I've done that before. Like I've come out with like I wrote a song, written a song before, I've come out with an idea before or an idea for a, a beat or something and I'll do it and I'll be listening to something and I'll be like, Oh, that sounds bad, similar But I'll still like, you know, try to get it all, I'll still try to sell it or I'll still try to, you know, give it to somebody. Or I'll still like say the, the line or something, but I'll say it different. I'll flip it different. And that's all. You should always be conscious of that. You should always be able to like flip things different. Like if you see something you like and it's something different and um, you think people will love it. And you're like, damn, I want to come out with this shit so bad. Just find another way to do it. Find another way to flip it. Anything can be flipped. There's always infinite possibilities to anything. You know, you just go into a different pocket, go into a different zone, a different flow. Use different words. Use different inflections. You know, there's always different ways to do things. Nobody can do everything the same because everybody's unique. Everybody has a unique voice. I mean, some people can do impressions, but in their regular speaking voice. Mostly everybody's unique. You rarely find people that have the same exact speaking voice or the same exact performance voice. That's really rare, unless they're doing an impression, like I said. Like I've seen it, I've seen it a couple of times where people have the same exact speaking voice and then you could tell there's somebody famous that they exaggerate the speaking voice and make it sound the same, like completely the same. But nobody is always completely the same. So, um, don't be scared of that, you know? Like minds, like they say. Great minds think alike.